Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you've listened to our podcasts in the past, or if you've watched some of our videos on YouTube, and hopefully you have, you'll know that we often talk about the importance we place as a team on critically evaluating your own performance in Airsoft, whether it's your performance on the field or the performance of your gear or what have you. We're always trying to figure out whether we're getting what we're supposed to be getting from ourselves or our gear. And in fact, it's probably the single most important thing you can do to consistently learn from your mistakes and also your successes, but also to improve your own skills. It's easy, though, to say, oh, you got to critically evaluate yourself. But it's another thing to actually apply that knowledge in practice. Especially because it's often hard for us to take sort of both our ego out of it and the sting out of it if we know we've really screwed up, right? Um, yeah, totally. You know, if I'm, uh, if I'm being stupid and standing there and not in cover and I get shot in the face. That is no one's fault but mine. Um, but there's always that moment of like, oh no, it's the other guy, he got me. Or like mm -hmm. other stupidity. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. And today, Pat and I are gonna talk about how we approach this process for ourselves and give you as well some concrete examples of how we've applied this method. I also wanna point out briefly that this isn't just something that will help you on the airsoft field. This is actually a life skill that once you get used to applying it, you can use it just about anywhere, in your classes, when you're learning, at work, with your boss, even in your interpersonal relationships with your friends or your spouses and so on. So it's something that's really worth considering and we're really excited to be talking about that today. The first place that we wanted to start is that Whenever something doesn't go your way on the field, you should be asking yourself why that happened. Now, it's sometimes easy to fall into this trap of, well, I mean, I just got shot by the other guy. It's their fault. It's nothing to do with me. And it's, it can be easy to think that and, you know, it's, oh, well, the other guy's faster or they were more accurate or, or whatever and just move on and say, well, next time I'm not going to get shot. But that's not really helpful. It's really worth thinking a bit more deeply about why did that actually happen? Now, in some cases, you might not have any way to have foreseen the situation that you were in. So for example, if you got shot by someone who's you know, using a bolt-action sniper and they shot you from 150 meters away in a direction that you had no idea they were in and you were properly concealing and covering yourself, but from the angle they were at, there was just no way for you to know and protect yourself from, then yeah, like you can look at get that and go, I don't even know where I got shot from. So it's hard to take anything from that. But in most cases, you can actually dive a little bit deeper and try and figure out why were you in that position in the first place? Yeah. And I mean, even in that sort of situation where, okay, I just got shot from, you know, 150 meters away by a guy I didn't see. So that happens. So does just, you know, man, there were eight guys shooting in this general direction and I got hit by BBs because we're playing yourself and the cover doesn't necessarily work out to stopping, you know, 400 rounds that are incoming on your position. Mm-hmm. But it's still, even in those circumstances, worth stopping for a second to go, hey, why'd that happen, right? How did I get to a position where eight guys were shooting at me? How did I get to a position where a guy had gotten around behind me? Because even if it's sort of, you know, uh, objectively, right, if a guy got behind you and you had no idea he was there, yeah, okay, so that's probably not your fault. Uh, but that doesn't mean there's nothing you could have done to prevent it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we recognize that you're playing a you know a really high paced game or something like that, and the game lasts three or four minutes total, and you got eight guys shooting at you. How did we get here? What could I have done differently? Well, the game started out, and two minutes in, all my teammates were dead, and it's one on eight. I mean, yeah, sure, that's a reality of airsoft, right? That's not really what we're talking about. Like those are personal skills games and what ha- what have you. There's certainly things that you can improve, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But fundamentally, you know, when you're in a situation, you can ask yourself not just like, why did I lose? Like, why did I get hit? But why did I end up in this particular position? And so, you know, I'll give you an example. Several, a few weeks ago, we were playing a game and, you know, myself and Johnny were playing a, um, it was like a team deathmatch kind of situation. And he and I were behind a piece of cover and I had observed the enemy. They were coming over to our left. And from this position, I was like, In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we got to make a move here because if we just stay here, we are in a very bad position and they're just going to overrun our position and we're going to lose. That's what was going on through my mind, right? So I said, okay, Johnny, we got to go. We got to go. So immediately, Johnny says, yep, no problem. So we start bounding out of cover and, you know, I come around the cover. I shoot one enemy. I pull up to the next cover. I shoot a second enemy. And I'm like, all right, Johnny, come up to me. And Johnny comes up to me. And, you know, within a couple of seconds, we got hit by other guys and we were we were both out. And so when I think about this, I look back on it. And I'm like, why? Why did that happen? Well, when I thought about it, I'm like, well, I mean, they shot me. I had no way of knowing that they were there. So really, that's not my fault. But it goes, you know, it goes beyond that. You have to think backwards, right? So why was I in the position that I was in? Well, I was there because I had said to Johnny, we got to go, right? And then why did that happen? Well, I was I was convinced that the enemy was going to over our, overrun our position on the left and I had we had to get out of there as quickly as possible because it was indefensible. So after the game, when I was talking to John, John did not share the same perspective as me. He was like, why did we leave? I said, well, we were going to be overrun. And he's like, Really? I don't think we were. I think we could have stayed there a little bit longer. So in my thinking about this, now I'm looking at that going, yeah, you know, maybe that is a good point. Why did I think that they were going to overrun me? Well, because I thought they were highly mobile and all this kind of stuff. But I didn't really have any evidence that would prove that was going to happen. I just knew that they were on our left side, but they didn't necessarily know where we had friendlies or anything like that or that they would even push that far up. So we absolutely could have stayed in that position and observed the enemy that was in front of us that we actually didn't really know was there until until we actually made our move, um, we could have stayed in that position. And in point of fact, we probably would have been better served. So what we ended up with is a situation where we had essentially overextended ourselves on one of our sides, right? We overextended ourselves into an enemy that we were not familiar with in order to avoid an enemy moving into a position where they were not yet in. And we could also observe them moving. So we could have made the decision later on to move and you you know there's that also that sort of you know um albeit customary for our team's mindset you know you push your face into it rather than pulling back if you could have done right yeah there's also this mindset of i'm concerned about a reality that could unfold on the battlefield in the next you know five minutes let's say but that has not yet happened so i am reacting to a situation that hasn't occurred yet and Although you do want to be proactive, the reality is I was being way too reactive in this situation. I was responding to something that would, you know, I needed to respond to a minute before it happens, five minutes before it happened, 
And again, I'm not coming down hard on myself. Like that's a, that's a game time decision that I made. And, you know, kudos to John, because when I said, let's go, he was like, yep, let's go. Right. There was no question about, ah, Phil, I don't think it's a good idea, but it was like, yep, let's go. You want to go? we we'll go. Yep. And it's, it's a matter of, you know, okay. So, you know, as really is sort of the whole point of this, uh, this episode, it's a matter of thinking about, okay, so next time, because we're going to be in that situation again, right? You know, and it might be you and me, it might be me and Johnny, but ultimately, you know, we're playing the same field with largely the same group of people. Uh, and we try as much as we can to operate as part of our team, you know, working together. So yeah, we're going to be in that situation again. So how do we play it differently uh, in an effort to do better, right? And the nice thing about yeah. Airsoft is that we get multiple tries, right? You know, yeah. we, uh, we can get shot as many times as we want trying to figure this out. Totally. And, you know, and what I really want to drive home with this example is if I'm thinking about what happened on the field, it would be very easy for me to say, well, we came around the corner because we had to move. The enemy wasn't there and we didn't realize they were there and we got shot. No way for us to know that the enemy was going to be there. Well, that... If that's the end of our thought process, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, how could you know they were going to be there? They just got the drop on you. That's the end of it. But you really have to think backwards and go, okay, well, what led us to that particular point? How did we right? get to this place where we were getting shot at and flanked? <laughs> yeah. So in other words, this is the, what is the root cause of this problem that we had? Why is it that we ended up in the situation? And the ultimate reason is because I was, for lack of a better term, panicked about a situation that was going to occur and decided to make a move that was a little too hasty. Yep. I mean, you it, it's that simple sort of, you saw a situation, reacted, and kind of overreacted a little bit. And it, it happens to everyone. Totally. And again, like, one of the foundational pieces for us when we look at this is there's no judgment. Right? Like, yeah, so this is, the reason that we got schwacked at that particular game is because I made a stupid call. Right? Bottom line. That's okay. I would rather make a stupid call and learn from it than just sit there and get schwacked anyway. And those aren't the only two options, but in my mind, that's that's how I processed it. And, you know, it, it ends up being, you know, just a, a useful sort of after-action thing to uh, try to sort of control the adrenaline and figure out, okay, like, what's going on here? You know, and it uh, it's resulted in a lot of positive things for our team. So, you know, one of the things that um, I get asked by my teammates a bunch is pat why aren't you in cover <laughs> yeah um it's not uh, not my best skill you know and i mean i'm a big dude but that's not an excuse whatsoever in this case um but at the same time you know last summer one of the games i played um you know phil turns and barks to me like why aren't you in cover get your ass in cover and i'm like i'm shooting someone and i shoot a guy who is about to flank phil and chris and kill them and he's like oh okay now get in cover i'm like hmm. On the way. <laughs> yeah. I was going to cover and I found someone I needed to shoot at. Hang on. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when you think about situations that unfold on the field, you want to be as objective as possible to tr like figure out why you did certain things. And you may not remember, but it's worth thinking about and making some mental notes as, you, as you're playing. Like, why did I do this? Why did I do that? And really sort of analyzing and, and thinking about the root causes and like the asking the, the question, why? Why did I do that? And why did this happen? And why? And really digging and scratching until you get to what is really the root cause of the situation. And this can apply 
in a variety of different scenarios, right? So you could be in a situation where you get completely overrun. Like you might have a couple of guys that could be like a milsim, for instance, right? So you're in a position and you get completely overrun and the enemy's all around you. Well, why did that happen? Well, maybe you decided to stay there way longer than you needed to. Maybe half of your squad got killed and you were like, okay, well, now we're cut off. There's no way for us to, to go anywhere. And so you make the decision to stay and dig in and now you're surrounded. So... Asking the why and getting to that root cause is the, the sort of the first part. The second part is really like, what are you going to try and do differently next time? Right? And specifically, if you are going to try something different, why? What do you expect will happen if you do that thing? Not just, ha- not just what am I going to do to change the outcome, but like, why am I doing each step of thing I'm trying to use to change the outcome? Yeah. So you might think, okay, well, I'm going to do that because that way, you know, the why might be, well, I'll be successful. Okay, fair enough. But what does that look like? And this is very, very important. The reason why this is important is because if you do something with purpose, right, so you know what you're trying to achieve, you can then look and see, did I actually achieve that thing? Did the thing that I thought was going to happen actually happened? Anything that we do, you know, as humans in general, we spend, you know, we're, we're hardwired to look for patterns, right? Pattern recognition is a key trait of just being a human. So when we go and we play Airsoft, chances are, like Pat was saying before, you're playing similar game modes, probably on fields that you're familiar with and with players you're familiar with. So you get accustomed to seeing certain patterns and you can use that to your advantage. So if you've seen X thing happen over and over and over, that's a pattern that you can then utilize. You can, okay, well, every time I play with Pat on the village field, he always goes left when I'm playing against him. Okay, so now that I know that, if Pat is on the opposing team, when I'm playing the village, chances are he's going to go left. And you're going to therefore know, you know, what pieces of cover to look for me around and where to set yourself up. Yeah, and it's not like a guarantee because Pat doesn't have to go left, but that's just what he prefers. And as people, that's what we tend to do, right? As humans, we just tend to go for what we're familiar with. Yeah, we We gravitate towards patterns. And we gravitate to the familiar. So how are you going to utilize that? Well, when you think about, okay, well, what am I going to do next time? Well, Pat usually goes left. And from the left, I know that, you know, there are these good, you know, avenues that he can shoot through. Well, I'm going to avoid them because I know that he's got a good line of fire. Or I'm going to go to this place, which can exploit them a little bit more. Or I'm going to try and push. And all of those things, you should be saying, okay, well, what do I think is going to happen if I do that? Well, if I avoid those lanes of fire, obviously, you know, I'm not going to get hit by Pat. Okay, but what else is going to happen? Well, I I don't have those lanes of fire to lay cover down on the field. Okay, so then what? Well, maybe I, you know, can't put fire down in the right places and maybe the enemy gets a better chance to maneuver on the field. Okay, so is that a viable option for you? Should I be leaving Pat to be unopposed doing whatever he wants to do over there? Is that, in fact, a good idea? (laughs) Yeah, and then once you start talking through these plans, you can start thinking, okay, well, what else can I try? Is that the best solution, right? And one thing I I don't want to do with this episode, and as you're thinking about this, is I don't want you to get too cerebral about this, right? Like, this isn't chess where you're calculating, like, 15 million different moves, uh, this isn't like, you know, um, critical evaluation where you have to go lay deep layers and layers and layers <laughs> deep. Um, what I want you to get from this is to really think about what are the different things that you are 
going to change and what you're expecting the impact of that is going to be on the field, the why of what you're what you're doing. And to, you know, sort of emphasize a point there, you know, it this isn't a thing where you want to get caught up in your own head too much. Um, it's just a matter of, it's very easy to go, eh, I screwed up and walk it off. And that mm-hmm. can be a good thing in the sense that you don't want to get frustrated. But it's better to say, eh, I screwed up. And while you're walking it off, think, okay, and how can I not make that mistake again? How can I not have that happen again the next time we play? Because that's how you improve. Absolutely. That's how you polish those skills. Mm -hmm. And it also works in the other way too. You know, if you had a successful game, you really want to think about what went well, right? You really want to take some time and think about, okay, well, what actually went really well for us that game? And so sometimes you'll say, well, you know, we got really lucky. Right, I took that corner. the The guy had to drop on me, but he missed, and then I shot shot him. And okay, luck is great. So, yeah, and it's great to have a horse show up your ass. Like, there's no question. Like, it, you know, it's, some people will say it's better to be lucky than good. Well, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that. Being lucky and good is probably what you what you <laughs> want to aim for if you if you can swing it. But if you think about a situation in which you're lucky, though, chances are that means that you were in a position where you were at a disadvantage. And luck played out in your favor and you were able to turn around. Okay, well, what was that disadvantage? Well, I came around the corner and I was really not prepared to engage some guy. Okay. Um, and why was that? Well, I was, uh, you know, caught in my head or I was tunnel visioned or whatever. Okay, there's your root cause. So next time, before you take that corner, make sure you're not tunnel visioned. M- make sure you're prepared to engage. Make sure your gun is up and you're you're peeking around that, that piece of cover rather than just like going full bore against it. For those who were uh, listening, I just want to note because I can see Phil right now, but you guys can't. While he was saying that, he had his arms as though he were holding his rifle and, while we're doing a podcast, and it's just amazing. Um, it's muscle memory. <laughs> give me a break. The advice is great, though. Like, if you're going to play yourself, you're you're always going to end up in situations where you could have done something differently and it would have worked out better, right? You know, and it's so okay. So I came around this corner and my gun wasn't up and my brain was on something other than what I was, you know, was on the fact that I wanted to eat more cheese later. Um, and mm-hmm. I got shot. Okay, cool. Well, we'll fix that next time. You know, there's also the like, all right, could I have instead tossed a grenade around that corner and then laughed at the guy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Was, no I, question. was I making the best use of all the tools I had at my disposal at that point, you know, and I mean, I've been playing for a really long time and I still do this periodically, you know, it's, it's a thing I, I'm continuing to train out, but like, you know, did I just poke my head out of cover without a gun in front of it? Cause that was a bad idea and I probably shouldn't have done it. Yeah. And I do that all the time, you know, like th- this is stuff that I catch myself doing and you know, it, it requires like concerted effort, right? But the more you do it, the more you catch yourself doing it, you're like, nope, I'm not doing that again do it the right way. Same thing with learning to shoot offside. I remember when I was learning to shoot offside, there's lots of times that I would just be like, nah, I'm not going to shoot offside. And I would take the corner, just, you know, regular overexpose myself, get shot and be like, all right, well, there's my, my better if next time you shoot it offside. And one of the things, yeah, like the, the offside thing is probably one of the biggest, um, wow, that shouldn't have made as much of a difference to my gameplay relative to how hard it was to learn the basics of things for me that I've ever encountered in Airsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, because we I didn't do it for years and years and years and years. And Chris was like, hey, this is really easy. And showed me, I'm like, oh, I feel incredibly dumb for not having thought of this, Rad. Yeah. Um, and then applied it and was like, oh my God, this is ludicrously good. Just literally just, yeah, I'm I'm 30 
3% more of me is in cover than it would be if I were doing this the other way and therefore I'm doing way better. Um, mm -hmm. And then you do it for a while, like, this is so good, and then you get lazy because we all get lazy. And we're playing yourself, you know, no one's shooting real bullets at me so I can get lazy. And I get lazy and I get shot and I'm like, it was a bad idea. And you know, negative reinforcement is certainly a way that humans learn, <laughs> right? Bad stuff happens, you learn from your mistake and you don't do it again. Pat pokes his head out of cover. Pat gets shot in the face. Pat goes, done first, right? <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, like it doesn't, it's not an automatic thing. Like you need to think about what happened so that you can learn that lesson. But positive reinforcement is also really important. And so when I talked earlier uh, uh, just now about, you know, how if things go well, like you want to consider why things went well, part of that is that positive reinforcement, right? So for example, I distinctly remember a game recently, actually, where I was behind cover, I was getting ready to emerge, and I was like, you know, I haven't reloaded in a while, I'm going to do an admin reload. So I did an admin reload. I took a mag from my chest rig, a fresh one, I put it in my gun, took the, the partially spent mag, put it back in my chest rig, and lo and behold, I came, I came around the corner, and there were two targets that were in my, in my field of fire. So I was immediately able to engage them, and if I hadn't done that, I probably would not have had enough BBs without having to do like an emergency reload, which when it's two on one is not a great situation, <laughs> right? No. So immediately I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad that I did that. And the next time that I take a piece of cover from like from a corner or whatever, if I'm not certain that my mag is full or, or basically full, I'm going to do an admin reload because... I have a good experience now and be like, you know what, last time I did that, that really worked out. And that's that positive reinforcement that I'm talking about. So even if things go well, you want to understand and ask yourself, well, why did that go well? What well, it went well, because I had a full mag. And why did I have a full mag? Because I did an admin reload before taking the corner. So let's make sure I keep doing that. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's the same thing with, so I cornered correctly. I shot a guy, right? Transitioned, did what I needed to do to offside shoot, shot a guy, am not out, team wins, wicked. Mm -hmm. it's worth taking a second to go, okay, so why did that go well? Oh, well, it probably went well because I did my actual shoulder transition like a smart boy and actually shot the person I was shooting at rather than them seeing, you know, two-thirds of a pat and going, hey, hey, I got him, mm -hmm. right? And, like, that applies to just about everything, you know, when you're when you're looking at airsoft, whether it's, you know, getting your gear ready or setting up your kit properly or when things go well, just ask yourself, like, why did that go well? Right. And again, it doesn't have to be super cerebral. It's not something you need to spend hours and hours doing, but just think about the things that went, went well and reinforce that those are things that you want to keep doing. Just as when things go poorly, you identified that they did not go the way you wanted to, and you come up with a plan to do something different, to try a bit differently next time. It's a matter of, you know, realizing that your brain is a computer, right? It's programmable. You can code it to do things the way you want it to more often than not. So if you're taking time to reinforce the good decisions you make, you will make them more often. If you're taking time to sort of note the bad decisions you made and think about not making them again, you will make them less often. And that's really important to being successful at almost anything, you know, mm -hmm. um, taking time to, yeah, critically assess what you're doing and why is just generalizably, as we said earlier, a good life skill. It's a useful thing to do. But it's very easy to come to something like Airsoft and go, well, this is, you know, this is a game. It's an action kind of adrenaline-based thing. You know, it's really about go, go, go. And, you know, like practicing those, you know, personal skills and just going really hard. And definitely practicing your personal skills is really important. And pushing hard can often win you games. But if you don't ever stop and think about the why, you're going to run into a lot of problems. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you you know, like Pat was just saying, like, just because it's a game, obviously, you know, our content is catered to you guys who ostensibly want to learn how to play Airsoft better, to learn how to be better at Airsoft, learn how to be more effective on the field, to be a force multiplier for your team, all this kind of stuff. And likely not going to be the people who are just like, man, I don't care. If, if you don't care about how, you know, how you perform on the field, I mean, our content is probably not for you, right? So if you want to be better, I mean, that's certainly one critical aspect is sort of that, that evaluation, right? Like why, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And like, that doesn't mean that we're telling you, you need to be sort of, you know, um, pushing all the time and like super serious, you know, game face all the time. Totally. We, as I think we've made pretty clear are, you know, fairly goofy human beings a lot of the time. And we're, you know, our play is informed by that, but that doesn't mean that we're not trying to improve even when we're goofing around. Right. Like, you know, um, I have definitely, you know, said to Phil at least a hundred times while playing airsoft, Hey, I'm going to do something dumb that might work. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's dumb and it doesn't work, and other times it's not dumb and it's just like, oh yeah, that was the right choice. Cool. Um there are enough variables in Airsoft that the correct play doesn't always present itself readily or easily. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, just to give some examples again, like John and I were playing a game a couple of days ago and um we get ready to start and like well, okay, well what's the plan, John? And it's like, well, I don't know, blah blah blah. It's like, okay, well, you know what, let's not go maximum effort. Let's just sort of play it nice and slow, good fundamentals, right? Let's just take this. Uh, we'll take these two corners. We'll watch good cover, good weapon manipulation, good communication. Let's just focus on that. Because sometimes you don't need to hurry. Yeah, and, and it's it's not to say, well, um, you know, it's, it's not, not to say like, oh, well, you have to play it this way or that. But it's like, okay, well, what is our game plan? Well, we want a good fundamentals. Okay. Why? Well, you know, we want to take it slow. We want to see how the situation develops. And what we expect is that at some point the enemy will overextend and we'll be able to capitalize on that because our fundamentals are good. We're in a good position. Uh, we're utilizing our cover correctly. Great. And there's an element of seeding the initiative there that, you know, might sound like it's a bad idea in some ways, but not necessarily, right? If you are in a good defensible position and you're well set up, allowing your opponent to extend and letting them make mistakes is a perfectly fine strategy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, after after that, even against us, <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, after that game, I don't, I don't think it went particularly well for me and John. I was like, okay, well, you know, what what happened? Well, like, why did we lose? Well, they were highly mobile. They all came from one side. You got overwhelmed on one side. I couldn't effectively help you. They hit you before I could come over and help, and then it was three on one. Okay, well, you know, at some point you're looking at that going like, okay, well, the reason why that happened is because we decided to sort of play it slow. We didn't foresee that the enemy was going to do that and they took advantage of it and won. That's okay. And like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Does that mean that we're never, ever going to do that again? No. But what we have now is an additional thing in our repertoire. So next time John says, uh, what do you want to do? And I go, well, let's take it slow, good fundamentals. He said, well, last time we did that, they went uh, they went at us hard, really hard on my side and just overwhelmed us. So what's the plan if that happens again, right? So we have that additional piece of knowledge that we can incorporate and apply so that the next time we p- try that in particular, we have a better sense of what might unfold on the field. Another example um, from a game, uh, I don't know when, like oh, it's a while ago, but I came out of a building and... As I'm coming out of the building, there's two pieces of cover to my immediate left. They're about like uh, waist high cover. It's like two like upturned cars or whatever. And then there's a structure and it's probably around 
25, let's say 25 meters away, right? So if you're, you know, Imperial, it's like, you know, 55 feet or something like that. And so I come out of that door and I'm like, I'm going to run to that other piece of cover that's 55 feet away. And I'm going to bypass these two other pieces of cover. I don't know what's to my immediate left, but I really don't care. I'm just going to run to that other piece of cover. So I'm like, great. I start going, and about halfway there, I'm like, mm, this is really, really far away, and I have no idea what's to my left. Maybe I should take to this piece of cover on my left, and I slow down a little, and I was like, nah, never mind, I'm going to keep going anyway. And sure enough, the second I slowed down, I started getting lit up by some guy I didn't didn't see to my left. I got behind cover, but not be- before he shot me. And as a side note, he shot me while I was moving, but my adrenaline was so high that I didn't actually even feel the hits. Um... And then when I got to, got to the church, I'm like, he 100% hit me. I called myself out. And when I came out, I was like, sorry, I, I think you hit me while I was running, but I didn't feel it. And he's like, you know, yeah, I hit you. Uh, I, that's why I kept shooting. I was like, fair enough. Yeah. But just side note, that can totally happen. So just be mindful. Anyways, the point is, I was running and I hesitated. And so why did that, why did I get shot in that situation? Well, I got shot because I was crossing way too much open ground, right? I totally over overextended. Why did I want to do that? Well, I didn't think that there would be any threats to my left. Well, why did I think there was no threats to my left? Because I was stupid. I had no reason to believe that. It was just a gut feel at the time. There's no reason I couldn't have checked, right? There's no reason that I couldn't have taken the corner, had a bit of a look, observed before I made that move, but I didn't do that. That was just a stupid mistake on my part. Well, what am I going to do next time? I think my path is pretty clear. Yeah, so, I mean, look before you leap. But also, don't hesitate while you're in the middle of sprinting to a piece of cover. Like, that moment or two where you stalled was probably part of what got you shot. Oh, totally. Like, when I stalled, I should have either stopped and, like, dove behind cover, or I should not have stalled and just, like, kept going, you know, right through. But so I get shot, and then my first thought is, okay, like, why did I do that? Right? And so as I'm going back to the safe zone, like, I'm, you know, giving Matt the thumbs up for shooting me and, like, apologizing for not calling in while I was running... Uh, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just going back to the same safe zone. I'm going through this process in my head. Why did I get shot? Well, I got shot because I was running. Why was I running? Well, I wanted to get to that piece of cover. But why? Well, it, you know, it was. It seemed like the best piece of cover. Yeah, but you didn't know what was between you and there. Why did you do that? Because I was stupid. That was just a bad move. And so within a couple of seconds, I recognize, hey, you know what? That was not a great move. And so then I start thinking about, okay, what could I have done differently? Well, I could have, like Pat was saying, looked. I could have moved to the first piece of cover, observed. I still might have gotten shot. But at least I would have operated in a way that was more sensible, that was a little bit better. And next time I'm in that position, that's exactly what I'm going to try. I'm going to go a little bit slower, observe a little bit more. And then once I'm in a position where I feel comfortable that I've got you know, the, the ability to safely cross, then I'll go full bore. Sure, no problem. Yeah, and, you know, I would add, just because, you know, this is a thing that Phil would mention to me, you know, why are you by yourself, right? We know our team practices it a whole bunch. Having a second guy to cover you while you're making that run is better in every conceivable way. So if you don't have a buddy, why? And, you know, maybe you were the last guy left on your team. You know, it turns out it turns out that in this particular situation, I was, but, oh, well, there you but go. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that I was the last guy. Like, he shot me, and then a few seconds later, the, the whistle blows or whatever. So, like, I could have had a partner, but I didn't. And, like, you know, it's one of those things where this sort of comes back to the laziness, right? Um, 
it takes six seconds to go, hey, you and I are a fire team for this game, you know, moving cover. Yeah, yeah. Done, right? Um, but sometimes you're like, oh, no, I just want to go, go, go. And taking that second to go, yeah, let's let's just pair up is a really good idea, right? It lets you be significantly more effective because, man, cover fire is great. Yeah. <laughs> And I think this brings us to a, a good segue into talking about how, so you can apply this methodology for yourself. And as we've said, if you're not convinced by now that you probably should start thinking about why you do certain things. I mean, I don't think there's anything else we can tell you that will convince you. It's just a good practice, but it doesn't just apply to you. You can also apply that exact same methodology to your entire team. Now, the only caveat here is of course that not everybody will respond to critical feedback the same way that you would want them to. So before we go any further, my point of view about feedback that you give to someone else is that it's basically a present that you're giving them. Because generally speaking, if I give feedback to someone, if I give them a suggestion or something to try or an idea or a thought, it's a present that I'm giving them. Right? I want them to be better. I want them to improve. And I have this nugget of knowledge or dare I say it, wisdom that I think might be useful to them. And so I'm giving it to you, right? I'm saying, hey, next time, have you considered trying this? And the challenge is that some people can take that personally. Some people can take that and go, oh, he's being super critical. And this is especially true if you don't know the person, right? If it's just some random dude at the field, I mean, you're not going to go up to them and be like, hey, dude, you didn't do that really well. Maybe next time try this. Like, wait, excuse me, who are you? Like, that's just not something that we would recommend. It's not really what we're talking about. But if you have a team of players, especially if they're like-minded individuals or like people like uh, like Pat and I, I mean, we're not necessarily like-minded, I would say, but we've known each other for so long that we can, we can give each other feedback, no question. So if you have a group of people who you're comfortable with, this is an absolutely essential tool of critical evaluation of your group to say, guys, like as a team, what did we do well? What went well? What do we do poorly? What do we have to improve on? And, you know, it's worth noting here, right? There are all kinds of mindsets about how people take critical feedback, you know, uh, even constructive criticism, right? You know, I, uh, I have a complicated brain. Uh, and so, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the time I hear constructive criticism as like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Um, so it often helps to phrase it in sort of a, a, a positive uptick kind of way, if you can, which is not bullshitting people, even though you might think mm -hmm. that it is bullshitting people, um, you know, and like Phil and I've been friends forever, you know, um, I would say, you know, yeah, we don't always uh, have the same approach to that, right? You know, like I, again, I think of, I take critical feedback hard sometimes for no good reason. Yeah. And if you look at your, if you look at your team or your teammates or whatever, like, you know, our, you know, our lifelong relationship aside, like, um, you know, people on our team like John or Chris, who I've known a little bit less less long, let's say, you know, they still understand, as I understand, that when they tell me, hey, Phil, maybe you should try doing this. Like the other day, John said to me, he's like, I've noticed in the last few games that you've played, you've had to change your battery mid-game. You really should do some drills to get faster at doing that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm pretty slow at changing a battery mid-game, and it's something that I've done twice. I probably should get a little bit better. It does seem to keep happening. 
And so it's something. Phil shoots a lot. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's a reality. But so I should be thinking about, okay, well, I should really learn how to change my battery sort of mid-game. I have a, one of those buffer tube stocks. Anyways, point is, it, it takes me like a minute to a minute and a half to switch my battery, which might not seem like very long. But when you're in the middle of a firefight, that kind of sucks, right? It does take a while. So it's something that I can sort of onboard. But the other great thing about feedback is you don't really have to do anything about it. If someone gives you a piece of feedback that is constructive and it's coming from a good place, but you don't think it's accurate, you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to listen to what they're telling you. You can just continue doing what you were doing the other way. So the thing is, when you're with a team of people, you have more opportunities to spot issues or ways that you can improve or, you know, ask and answer the question of like, hey, what went well, right? What did we enjoy about that? What worked for us? Where might we have gotten lucky? What could we have done differently? How did we communicate? What would we want to try differently next time? You know, so when you have a team of players, you can ask all these questions to your teammates, right? You can really take some time after the game, like we've talked about before, doing like an after action review or whatever. So essentially, you're sort of almost crowdsourcing the answer to these questions. I mean, yeah, more than one brain is better, right? You know, just multiple creativity, multiple iterations of creativity and of intellect thinking about a problem produce better results than one. It's pretty much how everything in our society functions. Um, you know, I also want to note just on that same concept as previously, like, um, if you are the sort of person who takes criticism to heart really hard some of the time, you know, one of the key things that's great for me about having a team is, you know, I know these are all friends, right? These are all guys who I'd have a beer with and who I, you know, talk to all the time and make fun of and get made fun of by. And, you know, we have a really comfortable relationship, which means that, you know, none of them are my boss. None of them are like, oh yeah, going to come down on me for making a mistake. If they're offering me a piece of critical feedback, you know, even if it is uh, one of the guys going like, man, you need to stop being out of cover so much. You need to use cover more, like no excuses. They're right. And I'm not going to be like, oh, my feelings are hurt. I'm going to like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, or as I did the last time this came up, you know, I went to uh, Cal and went, hey, you are, you know, you do this for a living show me how to use cover better. And he's like, you're going to get shot in the face more if I do. I'm like, don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and he did. And it, you know, it was useful. So I, you know, I had a problem. I got feedback from my teammates. I addressed it. I improved. Pretty much the ideal approach that we're advocating here. You know, am I still as good at using cover as Cal? No. Am I way better than I was before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's really the only benchmark you can target, right? It's like, are you improving? Are you better than you were yesterday, essentially, right? And the the best way that you can do that is to understand why you were performing the way you were yesterday and then taking steps to address it. And that equally applies as a team. I mean, I remember I was playing a game and I was with Stefan and we were like, okay, we're going to hold this building. Uh, you hold this corner, I'll hold this other corner and we'll just wait him out, right? And so he's like, okay, no problem, boss. So he takes his corner, I take my corner. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to push up a little bit to this other corner. He's like, yep, no problem. I'm going to stay right here. And then next thing I know he's gone. And I was like, what, like, why, where'd he go? So anyways, I kept going, uh, on my end, I got shot by, you know, Johnny, whatever. And then I'm observing then cause I'm hit and I'm just in the safe zone and I'm watching the game. And Steph is like rolling through the, the village, basically just like moving, running and gunning. And after I'm like, like what what happened? Like, we were going to hold that corner and just wait him out. He's like, yeah, but I saw a really good opportunity and I just leapt on and I went. I was like, okay, cool. But like, I did not expect that. So I didn't know 
that you were gone. So what are we going to do next time to avoid that happening? It's like, well, next time we need to communicate a bit better. Yeah, it's, you know, it's good that you went and seized that opportunity. It just would have been slightly better if I'd gone with you and instead of staying here and waiting to get shot. <laughs> yeah. And you might say, well, Phil, you know, uh, game time decision. You don't have time, right? You just got to go and do it. And it's like, that's all fine. But if you can't advise your teammates of what you're going to do on the field, you're losing out on the whole reason of having a team in the first place, which is to be able to coordinate and do stuff together, right? Because two guns is always better than one. So this is not a slight on Stefan, by the way. If you're listening to this podcast, bud, I, uh, I'm not offended or anything like that. I think it's just the, a constant thing for us as a team is we need to communicate more effectively. And what that actually looks like is the conversations that we need to have. It's easy to say, well, we need to communicate better. Yeah, everybody does. So what are we going to do? Right? What does that look like? What are some of the ways that us not communicating well is holding us back on the field? And how can we address those ways of communication directly to improve on them well and that's just the thing right like you're not going to look at me and go you know hey pat let's have a chat about this in the middle of the game that would be foolish but not looking at me after the game and talking to you about it would also be foolish the goal is you know as you said really to create communication right we should be talking that's how relationships work regardless of friends teammates coworkers, partners whatever you want um and weirdly life advicey, but whatever, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, we need to communicate, you know, and like, we need to communicate in the sense of, you know, we're playing bigger games, we have good comms, we have radios, we're actually like talking and working, using that to our advantage, totally, you know, but like, just tap, tap, let's go right, you know, like Phil would have gone, right? Yeah, I know, because I've done it, you know, and vice versa, right? If Phil, you know, hits me on the shoulder and goes, yep, yeah, going left. All right, cool, we're going left. You know, um, if I don't figure out during the game why we were going left, I might ask him after. <laughs> but that's mm -hmm. kind of the point, right? You know, it's okay. So yeah, um, you know, Phil is fond of saying, you know, oh, okay, so like what went well there? You know, what are even better ifs, right? What did we do that we could have done better? Um, and yeah, just taking the second to communicate is pretty much always the right play. Mm -hmm. Because as Phil knows, right? Like Stefan, you know, was running, gunning, rocking, doing really well. But no matter how well he was doing, even if he won the game, even if he crushed everyone on the opposing team and won the rest of the game, he'd still have done it more easily and more efficiently with a fill rolling right with him. Yeah. So if you're going to be like providing some constructive criticism or feedback or whatever you want to call it to other people, uh, or even to yourself, there's really two main ways that you can look at it, the way that I look at it. So um, one of them is, you know, colloquially known as the sandwich approach. It's the way that, you know, that they teach in a lot of like leadership places, which is you give one good thing, one bad thing, and then one good thing, right? So, you know, you did, you performed really well that game. It would have been a little bit better if you had communicated, but overall you won the game. So good job. Sandwich method. So you open with something good. You tell them what they, what they could have done better in the middle and you close with something good. So the person is left feeling, you know, um, just like, okay, well, at least I, I did something right. The method that I like is the method Pat was talking about, which is you talk about like what worked well. These are the things that worked well. These are This is the way that it could have been even better if. Uh, so that's what we call like uh, in shorthand EBIs. Um, so you could say to someone, it's like, okay, well, you know, this is what I think worked well in the game. The EBIs are this. And that works well in a situation where you know you're not necessarily going to uh, hurt that person's feelings, like you have a good relationship with them. So you can sort of skip the fluff and just go straight to the meat of it and say, this is what I think you did well. These are the things that I think you need to work on. Or these are the things that from my perspective could have gone better. 
It's that simple. And by doing that, even whether it's yourself or your teammates or your team as a whole, like as a team, as a unit, this is what we did well and this is where you know we, we could have done better. By doing it this way, you can directly target the things that you want to keep doing in the case of the stuff that worked well, or you can directly name the things that you want to do better and start coming up with plans as to how you're going to address it. And to give you one concrete example, I know that you know in the past we looked at our performance as a team and we were like, we are not very good at defending. We love to go and kick in the door, but we are not great at holding a single position and uh, just waiting. And I'd say that we're still better at playing aggressively than we are at playing defensively. But, yeah. you know, we uh, we addressed it, right? We sat down, we talked through it, we spent, I think we actually put like an evening of like sitting down and talking and like working with some maps and thinking through the places we play time into okay how do we do this better and then we went out and actually like did some practice drills of like okay so how do we break contact without getting destroyed yeah and it doesn't have to be overly complicated i know in our case you know we're like okay well when we're defending now in the village what we want to do is this like we want to have one line and then a backup line that we can fall back to like all just simple concepts right because we're not a military unit like we're not training every single day every single you know week or whatever like we're just playing games or whatever keep it keep it simple stupid is really important because it, frankly at some point all of us are yeah and it's just a matter of just coming up with simple things that you can do and specific things that you can try right so in talking with like chris and cal and the guys we're like all right well why don't we just try having one defensive line and then another line that we can fall back to easy peasy let's give it a shot see how it goes right so just try it and at least pick something that we can work on so ultimately what we're trying to say here is in this sort of rambly episode of this podcast this is, is that a bit chattier than we sometimes are but I yeah <laughs> yeah Hopefully. i mean you know what like i think that there's still some nuggets of wisdom in here uh, even if it might have gone probably a little bit long uh, but the whole purpose of this is to say you know what when you're looking at stuff and you want to critically evaluate what you really want to do is dig beneath the surface to find out what are the root causes of why stuff is happening or why stuff happened the way that it did on the field good or bad when you come up with stuff that it worked really well, you want to focus on why those things worked well and what you can do to make sure you keep doing them in the future. And when you come up with stuff that didn't work so well, really wonder, like, why did this happen? Why did I get into that position? What are the steps that led me to making that decision? And what am I going to do about it in the future, right? What am I going to try differently? And what do I expect the result is going to be? And that is true whether it's you by yourself or you with your team, because at the end of the day, that's what you're really going to test. That's what you're really going to try and improve upon. And ultimately, that is how you're going to improve your own personal skills as well as your team skill in the shortest amount of time. If you just play Airsoft over and over and over through the years, never focusing on the things that are going well or, or not, you will certainly improve, but it's going to take you a lot longer than if you had actually spent a little bit of time critically evaluating how things went and coming up with a plan. And I will tell you that from my personal experience. I've been playing Airsoft since 2006. I played a lot of games of Airsoft before we even created a team in 2009. Um, and even still, we had the team created, but 
we weren't necessarily focusing on the things that we wanted to improve on until much later, until, you know, we had Chris and we had Cal. Uh, well, I mean, we've always had Cal, but like we had Chris join the picture and bring his perspective. We had John join the team and bring his perspective and Matt and Miles and everybody, right? All the guys coming together and being like, hey, like we want to get better. How do we do that? And what does that look like? And it's not until that happened that we really started to improve our personal skills in a very meaningful way. And I can tell you, that my improvement over the last four years greatly outmatches my improvement in Airsoft in the first 10 years of playing. And that's absolutely the same for me, right? The degree to which you improve um, your personal skills by having other people on your team look at you and go, hey, you should do this, right? Just Chris going, hey, try shooting from your offside. Here's how, I, how to do it, um, you know? Uh, the amount you can improve by like we at one point sat Johnny down and we're like all right so you've bought a modern kit to switch out so that you have something that's not your World War II kit but like if I make you do a jumping jack you know it parts of it go above your head we need to strap that down <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely right? ultimately though I think our purpose for today's episode was to really talk about what it means to critically evaluate. And hopefully, if you've listened this far, first of all, thank you. And uh, kudos to you for sticking to us through this rambling diatribe. Um, But really, you hopefully will start to have seen a little bit of the value of taking the time after every situation to think about what went down and to come up with your key takeaways, right? The things you want to work on or the things you want to keep doing. And I can guarantee you that if you do that consistently and effectively, you, you know, your improvement will start to skyrocket. No question. Yeah. So I think it comes down to that, right? It comes down to applying critical thought as a useful, constructive thing to hone your skills. Um, And I think we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, Thanks everyone for tuning in as always. Uh, We know we've been a bit rambled, but we hope you've enjoyed it and found it useful. And guys, if you want to keep the conversation going, uh, feel free to join our Discord server. We have lots of really good conversation going on in there from, you know, uh, mindset, ideas, sharing pictures and memes, and also some really, really good gun teching advice, Uh, not just from us, but some members of the community who are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Shout out to Chaz, who's just an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, If you have any questions, just come join our Discord, engage in the conversation, take part in the discussion, and hopefully we'll see you there. But until then, we got nothing else for you. We'll see you next time. Have a good week. And yeah, provide us some critical feedback if you've got any. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.